What is sexual health? Well, sexual health includes taking care of your whole body, and that's really paying attention to the physical aspects of your relationship and thoughtfully planning or avoiding pregnancies and taking steps to avoid sexually transmitted diseases. The World Health Organization defines sexual health as a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual friendships and the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences, free of coercion, discrimination, and of course violence. Sexual health is important to overall health and wellness. Sexual touching is one way many adults express love and caring for one another. Sexual touching is healthy when both people are interested in it and have the power to stop when they no longer are interested. Healthy sexual touching can occur between people who have equal power. When power is not equal, sexual touching is probably not healthy. And for this reason, sex between an adult and a child is not healthy, and sex when one person feels threatened is also not healthy. Rape, incest, and sexual abuse are examples of unhealthy sexual contact. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, defines all unwanted and forced sexual contact or other activity as sexual violence. So in this next section, we're just going to talk about how male and female reproductive systems work. So females have a uterus, or a womb, and that's where babies grow and develop. The uterus is a hollow, muscular, pear-shaped organ that can expand. The other parts of the reproductive system connect to the uterus, and the vagina is an expandable tube that leads from the outside of the body into the tip of the uterus. This tip is called the cervix. After girls reach maturity, an egg, or sometimes more than one egg, from the ovaries comes through the fallopian tubes into the uterus about once a month. And if the egg is met by a sperm from a man, the egg may be fertilized. The fertilized egg will attach to the lining of the uterus, and it will grow into a fetus, and then a baby, over 10 months from the time of the last menstrual period, or about 9 months from the time a woman misses her menstrual period and typically becomes aware that she is pregnant. The lining inside the uterus provides nutrition for the growing fetus. When babies are born, the uterus muscle contracts to slowly push the baby out through an expanded vagina. Each month, a new egg is released. If the egg is not met by a sperm, the egg will stay in the uterus for a week or so until the uterus lining gradually is released when a woman has her period, also called menstruation. This menses that comes out of the vagina includes blood and other material that was lining the uterus. During menstruation, which usually lasts between three and five days, the muscular uterus may contract, and this is called cramping, and it can be painful. Women have another tube that leads from their bladder to an opening in front of the vagina called the urethra. Urine comes out of this tube, and a third tube leads from the intestines out of the body through the anus behind the vagina, and feces are eliminated from the body through the anus. Okay, now we're going to start getting into the male reproductive system now that we've covered the female reproductive system. 
So the male reproductive system includes the testes or the testicles which produce and store sperm and make the male hormone testosterone. The testes are in a skin sac called the scrotum and when a man ejaculates or comes the sperm travels from the testes through a tube called the vas deferens to the urethra and then out through the penis. The penis is partially made up of erectile tissue, and when a man is sexually aroused, this tissue fills with blood, causing the penis to enlarge and harden. And urine also travels down from the bladder through the urethra and out through the penis. Men also have a second tube that leads from the intestines out of the body through the anus. Okay, now we're going to talk about how sexual health interacts with mental health and substance use disorders. People who have mental health and substance use disorders are more likely to have had and to continue to have unhealthy sexual contact or even sometimes be victims of rape or sexual abuse. Unhealthy sexual experiences can result in depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder and victims. Perpetrators of sexual violence have commonly experienced abuse themselves. Mental health and substance use treatment need to address the consequences of sexual trauma and with evidence-based medication and therapy approaches. Recovery may involve working on developing safe and healthy ways to express feelings, including sexual feelings. In addition, mental health and substance use disorders may interfere with having a healthy sex life. So, for example, depression and the use of some drugs may inhibit normal sexual desire. Use of other substances, including alcohol or stimulants, and manic episodes can cause higher than normal sexual drives or sexual disinhibition. Increased sexual activity when people are high or manic can lead to relationship problems, legal problems, unwanted pregnancies, and sexually transmitted diseases. When people attain abstinence from substances and maintain and manage their mental health conditions, their sex lives can return to a healthier state. Unsafe sexual activities in relationships can cause or worsen depression and anxiety, which can complicate the course of other mental health and substance use disorders. Sexual trauma, including rape and incest, can cause comorbid anxiety and depression, as well as post-traumatic stress disorder. Helping people shift towards healthier sexual attitudes and behaviors and recover from sexual trauma may be an important part of treatment and recovery for many people. Given that sexual health is an important part of overall health, incorporating matter-of-fact information about sexual health, family planning, and sexually transmitted disease, it's an important part of mental health and addiction programming. Co-occurring disorder treatment programs need to provide or refer their patients to family planning services, prevention education, screening, testing, and treatment monitoring for sexually transmitted diseases. Now we'll talk about what is family planning. So what is it? Family planning means people think about and think ahead about whether they want to have children. They consider their own physical health, their financial ability to support a child, and emotional resources they will need to parent, and the stability of their mental health and their substance use disorders. Parenting children can be wonderful, but also quite challenging, and children grow up healthiest when their parents are physically and mentally well, emotionally grounded, and financially stable. Children and families may also be healthier and less stressed when the time between pregnancies is spaced out. People who are recovering from mental health and substance use disorders often choose to prevent pregnancies until they're abstinent from alcohol and other drugs and have a period of recovery in their physical and mental health. 
Family planning is especially important for people with mental health or substance use disorders because an unplanned pregnancy and baby can make life even harder for the parent and be difficult for the child. Unplanned pregnancies. About half of pregnancies that happen in the U.S. are not planned, partly because many birth control methods are not 100% effective. The CDC recommends that all women of childbearing age take a multivitamin with folic acid to prevent birth defects and can happen in the month before the woman even knows she's pregnant because alcohol or other, other addictive substances and many prescribed medications are harmful to the developing fetus. The CDC also recommends that sexually active women of childbearing age avoid using substances, avoid smoking tobacco, and discuss with their doctors whether their medications could be problematic during pregnancy. Now we're going to talk about birth control to prevent unwanted pregnancies. Some people choose to abstain from sex to prevent pregnancies. Many people use birth control and maintain sexual activity. Multiple options for birth control are available. The most effective methods are in the intrauterine device, or the IUD, and hormone implants. The IUD is a very small device a doctor places right in the uterus. The IUD prevents sperm from connecting with eggs by changing the environment in the uterus. It prevents pregnancy almost 100% of the time and can stay in for five or more years depending on the type of IUD. The hormone implant is a little rod placed under the woman's skin. It releases the female hormone, progesterone, slowly over three years. It also prevents pregnancy almost 100% of the time. The pill is a daily hormone pill, which is a prescription medication, and it contains a combination of progesterone and estrogen. The pill is also safe, but it fails to prevent pregnancy in one out of ten women. Hormones can also be delivered with a vaginal ring or a patch on the skin. They also fail to prevent pregnancy in about one in ten women. Condoms, those are the thin latex covers, can be worn over a man's penis or in the female condom, which can be worn inside the vagina. These create a barrier that keeps the sperm from entering the woman's cervix. They fail to prevent pregnancy in about 2 in 10 women. Condoms also prevent sexually transmitted diseases, including human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, and hepatitis. So people should use condoms and other forms of birth control if they're having sex with a partner who could be infected with a sexually transmitted disease. Women can also use a reusable, flexible rubber diaphragm. It's a device shaped like a shallow cup that rests against the walls of the vagina. Or the smaller thimble-shaped cervical cap that fits tightly over the cervix. These are filled with spermicide, which is a foam or gel that kills sperm. These fail to prevent pregnancy in about 1 of 10 women and do not prevent sexually transmitted diseases. Male vasectomies, which is having one's vas deferens, which is the tube that carries the sperm, cut and sealed, and the female tubal ligations, which is having your fallopian tubes tied, are safe surgeries that prevent pregnancy permanently. Women can get emergency contraceptive if they have unprotected sex or have sex with failed birth control. 
They can have an IUD inserted within five days or they can use hormone pills. Some forms of these pills are available at pharmacies without a doctor's prescription. Abortion. So when performed by a licensed practitioner under sterile conditions is a safe way to terminate an unwanted or unsafe pregnancy. About 2% of women had an abortion in 2011. Of the abortions obtained, 91% occurred in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. So how does family planning, mental health, and substance use disorders all interact? Pregnancy can worsen mental health conditions. Some mental health medications can harm developing fetuses, so pregnant women should meet with their doctors to discuss the risks and benefits of treatment options. Alcohol, other drugs, and cigarettes harm developing fetuses, so women with substance use disorders should use birth control. Women who become pregnant will need to abstain from these substances. Women with opioid use disorder can safely use opioid replacement therapy. People with mental health and substance use disorders can actively participate in family planning, especially with support from treatment providers. Clinicians can provide concrete education about birth control to counter misconceptions and negative attitudes. Family planning facilitates recovery by helping people take positive control over their lives.